you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Live from the market site right here at the NASDAQ overlooking New York's Times Square, this is Fast Money. I'm David Faber and from Melissa Lee. Your traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, Steve Grasso, and Guy Adami. And we're going to kick things off tonight with two major stories in the tech world. IBM up sharply on news that Jenny Rometty stepping down as the company's CEO. She will stay on as executive chairman for a bit. Stock, as you see, is up almost 4% in the after hours. We'll give you the full breaking details on that story straight ahead. But we're going to start with an earnings alert. It's Amazon, the stock touching new all-time highs. This after reporting a blowout quarter, earnings and revenues both topping expectations. The cloud, of course, continues to be a big engine of profitability for the company. Amazon also giving upbeat guidance for the current quarter. And the company's conference call will kick off within the hour. As you see, the stock is up almost 12% in the after hours. That would put it back in the trillion-dollar club. That would be the first time since September of 2018. Of course, it would join Microsoft uh, and the leader still, Apple, there. Uh, Guy, let's start with you. Give me your take on these numbers. It's a staggering quarter. I mean, the numbers aside, I mean, 4.5%, I think, operating margins are just a ridiculous number. I mean, I clearly didn't see this coming. I don't think a lot of people did in terms of the magnitude of the EPS beat. It's staggering. But 2025, you're sort of alluding to in terms of market cap. You know, the previous all-time high back, the summer of 18, again, the summer of this 19, we saw a similar level. So this 2025 level is now you're lying in the sand. I, I understand the reaction in the aftermarket to this because I think a lot of people just didn't see it coming or probably chasing. But I think it's a little euphoric here. I think you've got to look for that pullback, probably that, ultra, that all previous all-time high. Although not euphoric when you consider just how unloved this stock has been. And you talked about the underperformance. And it's underperformed, uh, you know, essentially think of the, the blowout earnings we've had from the other big boys, Apple and Microsoft. Uh, Amazon is essentially a strong number three in the NASDAQ 100. And it's underperformed that group by 20% in the last six months. So um, the, the, the bar going in here was very, very low. And not surprisingly, it's AWS that's the victor. I, I, you know, if you look at that 67% of their profit, and, and even in a competitive landscape that we think cloud is becoming, these guys are dominant. But I, th- I think it's a matter of positioning. You guys both have said that. Where you have uh, Google and you have Microsoft for AWS, I would imagine that margins are going to be compressed going forward. This after hours means that everyone was offsides. It doesn't mean that there's really conviction here. I don't see it that way. I would probably be, most likely I, w- I would fade this. Do you think this is short cover? I mean, no, no, no. I, I think that people were not expecting them to have this type of a blowout number Bar was low. after lagging. And especially after Bezos had said that this was going to be an investment cycle. I think for, for that, it caught a lot of investors off guard. So I think it might be overdone the next day or so. I, I think that's true. But I think also the guidance was a little bit more optimistic. I don't think they're normally in the business of giving optimistic guidance. And so I think that I don't know how much of the move that's good for, but it, it's something. I think that the read through probably to given Microsoft's uh, cloud and their cloud here, I think probably it should be Google, good for Google Cloud. We'll, we'll th- see next week. Yeah, well, there was some concern with those very strong Microsoft numbers that perhaps the market was not quite growing as quickly as Microsoft was starting to take a little more market share. 
with Azure. Uh, perhaps that's been answered. I mean, $9.2 billion in operating income from AWS. Uh, and with the negative and, headwind recently from the Pentagon, and, from the Jedi. <coughs> right, so the that, Jedi. Was, but, that was you know, something where it got investors. Is there because Great. they had become more competitive. AWS was the leader for so long, the clear leader. And obviously, Google also now, guys, trying but, to compete. Uh, no question about it. I mean, it goes to show maybe the pie is big enough for everybody. I think that's sort of Karen's point. It might be true, but I got to tell you, in terms of the stock, remember, last quarter is when the thing cratered down to 1750 and people running for the exit doors. We actually had a conversation that day. I remember being on the show saying, if you're selling it today, you're probably doing it wrong. You could probably make the same argument now in terms if you're buying it now, you're probably doing it wrong. But with that said, the magnitude of this quarter is, is pretty astounding to me. All right, let's get a little bit more on the quarter as well uh, from Josh Lipton, who joins us right now. Uh, Josh, this call hasn't started yet. Always important to point out, you never know what Amazon will share on the call in terms of their guidance, in terms of filling, in us, filling us in a bit more on how much they're going to spend to get things to us now by the, by the minute, perhaps, <laughs> instead of the hour. Yeah, no, no, fair point, uh, Dave. The call does start in about half an hour here. Just to add to what you guys are saying, you, know, you look at these the three big operating segments all beat here. North America, better than expected at uh, $53.7 billion. International also beat $23.8 billion, as you all were discussing. AWS grew 34%. That was also better than expected at $9.95 billion. Analysts had thought it would come in around $9.8 billion. Obviously, there's been some concern there about the growth rate of that cloud computing business. AWS Operating margins, 26%, so ticking up from Q3. Uh, there was, now the official call starts at 5.30. The CFO, Brian uh, Olsavsky, did have a media call, though. Let me just bring you some of his highlights on that, on that call with reporters. He first talked about just the greater efficiency the company is seeing. They are getting more efficient, he said, in their transportation and their warehouses. They are getting inventory closer to customers, of course. They've been spending a lot of time and money reducing shipping times to customers, handling product, he says, more fluidly. Prime membership, new number they gave us here today, too. They have now exceeded 150 million paid Prime members. Last time we got that bogey uh, was a couple years ago, 2018. They said around 100 million. I asked about why that is. He said, um, listen, it was certainly accelerated by starting that one-day program. He talked about the benefits, which he says are popular with folks, free grocery, video benefits, and media benefits. Coronavirus. He was asked about that as well. He said, listen, no update right now on their supply chain. They are starting, and we've heard this from a num- number of companies, putting re- travel restrictions in place to protect their people. No visibility yet, Joe, on Q1 impact. The call with analysts is starting in about 25 minutes. We'll be on it, and we'll bring you guys those headlines. Back to you, David. Okay, uh, Josh, thank you, uh, Josh Lipton. I mean, Guy, you made this point, but Amazon had been the laggard, of course, for some time, in fact, um, while the rest of the big cap techs you know, went uh, went ballistic. Ballistic, yeah. Went parabolic, uh, whether it's Microsoft, Apple. Facebook, obviously, down today, but still up more than Amazon, at least until we get in mm-hmm. tomorrow morning and see where, where the stock really opens. So should the stock, I mean, I guess the question is, I mean, at this point, what do you, if you just walked in, if you just landed from, uh, from another planet, what do you do with Amazon here? And I say, you know, you take a look at the quarter, you sort of put it in your... By the way, they probably deliver you from that other planet in less than in a day. In less than a day. Yeah, it's just a bad joke, but you, you never know. But I think, you look, I think you look for that pullback to previous all-time high, which is 2025. I still think you have a conference call you got to get ahead of. And again, you know, they talked about a spend. We'll see if that comes out again. I think that could still scare some people. I think it's important for investors to also understand how, how the street tends to value this stock, which, which includes some multiple. It's a blended multiple, and it's, a, it's, it's essentially some multiple of AWS and then the core. And the core, which is obviously astronomical in terms of top line, but you usually give about a 10 times revenue number uh, on AWS. So the numbers are really pretty 
pretty easy to crunch this math right now. That makes it a trillion-dollar company if you go 10 times, which is where the, the street largely goes. In fact, uh, Deutsche Bank just took them up to 11 times revenues. That leaves another 30% in your valuation to, to put this at a, a trillion three, a trillion four, which leaves you about 30% upside if you want to listen to those valuations. How about, how about when, when off of these results... Now, I, I hate to get negative on it, but off of these results, how quickly are we going to hear the spin on the political side about breaking up this company? Because when you look at these type of results and you see them dominating every area that they're in, in video, in the consumer's homes, in AWS, it makes me think that it's going to be politicized in the next couple of weeks. We are a market that trades off of headlines. You could see Algo sell this thing really quickly. I think we're going to start to see analysts kind of jumping all over each other to try to have the high on the street, which I think right mm. now is maybe 2,500. Although it is almost universally either an outperform or a buy. There's not really anybody who's negative on it. So it's not like there'll be a giant turn. But I do think we'll start to see targets much higher. The, the, also, just you know, on the prime membership, they had mm. the most prime members ever in this quarter when they've never had a bigger number. I mean, they're greater than 150 million, which, uh, again, locks people into that ecosystem uh, and means you've got customers But the key is AWS. You, you, said, you said the stat yeah. on AWS. It is, it is AWS. The rest of it feeds into the beast. And they're, and they're damn good at it. Before this, it was Apple. It was Apple's ecosystem. And now it's become an Amazon world where everything kind of fits in from that core business. And AWS is not as tangible to most people. So it's, it's kind of a weird playoff of it to analyze for a lot of the street. Yeah. Again, $9.2 billion in operating income from AWS during the course of last year on $35 billion in net sales for this company. And that's where the margin is for them as well, uh, as uh, Steve just pointed out. All right. We're also following breaking news in the last half hour. This on IBM. The shares are up on news that Jenny Rometty is going to be stepping down as the CEO. I think it's April 6th that she will step down officially. Arvind Krishna, currently the SVP of the company's cloud and cognitive software segment, is going to take over on the 6th of April. Rometty will remain as the executive chairman. That will be until the end of the year. She has been the CEO since 2012, and investors like it right now. Uh, it's been a rough go. There's no doubt about it, you know, in terms of trying to invest in companies that are going to grow faster or invest in parts of the business that are going to provide some sort of growth. While, of course, you've got this book of business that is enormous, that is not really growing. Right. So so software and those services, but certainly cloud. And we we, we talked Look, they, they reported last week they had a very good quarter um, and they actually grew revenues one percent, which countered this. They, you know, they've had this trend of kind of bad quarter, good quarter. So they keep doing that. And in fact, the stock was kind of where it's gone into the after hours last week. And in fact, is sold into this news. But uh, there's no question that the expectation that the Red Hat acquisition gets them in the type of place that puts them with some of the other people we've been talking about for the last five minutes. Uh, that's the story here. And this is certainly an insider from, from IBM that I think people feel can take them there. You know, short of me butchering her name a week or so Come ago. On, did you do that? I as, do that on a job. nightly basis. I mean, but I, you know, and, I, and I knew the name. I just said it incorrectly. But what I said was on their fourth quarter on January 22nd, this would be a perfect opportunity for her to sort of leave the firm and hand it over to somebody else. And that's what's taking place now. To Tim's point, the stock is back to exactly where we were a week ago post-earnings. But I'm not suggesting this is Microsoft by any stretch, but a lot of people thought it was Microsoft was impossible for them to turn that aircraft carrier around five years ago. They did it. And with this Red Hat acquisition, although they paid through the nose for it, IBM might be on the verge of similar. I think you sell it here at your own peril. I think IBM could be a surprise stock for 20 isn't, isn't it, though, odd that they haven't turned the ship around? 
sooner than this. Like, if you look back, where was she around from? 2012, you had said, David? Yeah. So 2013 was the high, $215. Down 40%, basically, from there under her watch. Her earnings right? are really not it's any better either. Not, not there. Well, I, also, I don't believe they could turn the ship around. That it, doesn't take into account the significant repurchases, right? So, in fact, the earnings, yeah. I mean, though it, as it ends up, those repurchases have ended up... Lost Warren yeah, Buffett right. along the way, mm-hmm. who was brief, relatively briefly for him, a, a, an important right. investor. But this should have been cloud. This should have been AI. They, they did a lot of oh. great stuff. It's, a, it's an amazing company. It just has not translated to a better stock price. It's still on a declining trend line going back to 2013. So to Guy's point, you have to kind of break, that, break out of that trend before you get new investors willing to get on board with IBM because they see it as that old company, not a new one. And I just, you know, but on Red Hat, remember, I mean, people were horrified at the price they paid for this company. And and actually, in hindsight, it actually looked it looks genius when you consider the synergies also that, that seem to be now working for Red Hat. And again, sequentially, they went from 20% growth to 24% growth they just announced on Red Hat, which means they are getting some of those synergies. And maybe this is actually the multiple you pay for. Um, I had one conversation before we got on air with somebody who was involved, said the, it's been six to eight months. The board has obviously been thinking about this. The most important single thing a board does typically is, of course, decide who's Hopefully. going to take over a company. Uh, and they have been doing that. Um, Martin Schroeder had been somebody you might have thought about who would have potentially been a, a candidate to take over as well. Whitehurst stays because he also has been thought of perhaps would he step into the CEO role. He's 52. Uh, I think the new gentleman who's running the, going to be CEO is 57. So I guess he's still in play as a future CEO. But they keep him importantly, and now he moves up to president. I think it's really important. I mean, you know, to Tim's point, I, I, listen, I don't know this to be factual. The counterfactual you can't do. But in today's environment, given what's happened, they probably have to pay another 30% more for Red Hat today than when they did it originally. So it probably was a stroke of genius, and they overpaid, but they had to overpay, not unlike Major League Baseball teams that sometimes have to overpay for a player. Just putting it out there to the Met fans on but the But the desk. new leader has to be, to your point, has to be somebody from the cloud divisions, from, right. from, from that, those divisions. You cloud can't security, have somebody. industry data, right. AI, cognitive, all the right. things all that the they have not focused on, that they right. have obviously that are growing faster, but can outpace the significant decline in the legacy, as they call it, businesses. We see this a lot. I mean, you try and change a company like this. Well, the but culture, it doesn't right? Overnight. Yeah. A company like this. Yeah. Really, well, it still yeah. has, what, 400,000 employees? Right. And I think I, you said she's staying on till the end of the year. Yes. It makes sense that she would leave as chairman and they would just get someone new. It sort of seems to be a good corporate governance practice to have a new chairman when you have a new CEO. The, the only thing not I, but, the old CEO, right? I mean. uh, right. So I, yeah. I don't know whether there will be a split role or not. I, that actually is an interesting question as to whether when she departs, will he just take over as chairman or not? Quickly on valuation, if it even matters here. I mean, I, it always has to matter. But but if you look at the mega cap tech space and what's been going on here, I mean, micro, uh, excuse me, IBM trades at ten and a half times next year. And, and I realize we're talking about a company that's had trouble growing earnings, but. The valuation, if you're looking at relative value at a time when mega cap tech has had a huge run, I think people have to think about IBM in this context, and they're going to buy it on the come. I think they're going to buy it on a CEO that certainly is committed to cloud, and we've seen this movie before. Curious to see what Rometty chooses to do as well. She's been, I've seen her a lot around at a lot of conferences. 
It's always as a sign, you know, communicating a lot about a lot of different things beyond IBM. So is that running for office? Yeah, is that you wonder. she looking to be ahead of a university? I don't know. I'll be very curious to see what she ends up doing. Of course, as you say, she will still be executive chair at least till the end of the year. All right, coming up right here, the earnings parade rolls on. We're going to track the action in Visa, Western Digital, Electronic Arts, Levi, all out with numbers and some big moves as well associated with them. Plus, of course, we're going to continue to focus on Amazon's big move in the after hours. The company's call is about to kick off, and we will be on it, monitoring it. Stick with us. We're live from Times Square in New York City. A lot more Fast Money right after this. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones, from powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY, a big idea that inspired the world to invest differently, and still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Welcome back to Fast Money. The earnings keep rolling in, as you can see. Western Digital, Electronic Arts, both moving this after reporting results. We're going to have full team coverage on both of these names. Julia Borson is standing by on EA. Let's start, though, with Frank Holland to give us uh, the latest on Western Digital. Frank. Hey there, David. Western Digital shares, they're rising 6% after hours after giving strong guidance on Q3 revenue, as well as reporting a beat on revenues and a beat on EPS, four cents above what the street was looking for. Overall, a bit of a recovery story for this chip maker that's had just a few disappointing quarters. Hard drives and flash drives are its two primary segments. Analysts I spoke with said for this company, in this, in this case, they were focusing on sequential growth in revenues, especially for that flash segment and gross margin improvements overall. Nikolai Todorov from Longbow Research said the quarter was better than expected. We noticed better trends. There was a lot of investor concern about their execution in the NAND flash business. The concerns were how quickly gross margin will recover from recent bottoms. I think they have addressed these concerns. The hard drive business, that was flat sequentially, but showed gross margin improvements overall. Matthew Bryson of Wedbush, he said, the hard drive business underperformed initial expectations on the revenue line. They made up for that with cost improvements that really started to pay dividends, which benefited their hard drive gross margins. Western Digital's earnings call just got underway at 5. This stock has improved 62% over the past year, and again, up more than 6% right now. Back over to you. Okay, Frank, thank you. Let's uh, trade Western Digital. Well, yeah, from major double bottom around 37 bucks from the spring and then sort of the you know, winter of last year. The, the guides suggest it's not as commoditized as probably the market fears, but now you have to ask yourself how much more room is to the upside. You know, maybe you get another 8 10% of this move, but again, this is one of those companies that as soon as it doesn't look commoditized, it becomes commoditized. So if you get another, you know, 8 or 10%, I'd take the money and run. Yeah, it seems like that's been the story in the space. No one's believed that you're going to see rationality uh, amongst the, the, the core players. And, in fact, that's what they're being priced for. So you're seeing return in NAND pricing. SSD margins are getting better. But rationality within this sector is what you have to believe in, uh, that players aren't going to overproduce. This is one that you definitely have to trade off of technicals, though. So to Guy's point, this was working off a relative strength index that was uh, basically overbought, came in just a bit. Now it's overshot, but I think it's about a turnaround story where I would rather be a seller here than a buyer in Weston Didge. And I think whenever you try to sell these little mo- momentum tops, you're always a winner in the stock. All right, uh, let's move on to uh, 
EA uh, moving on to electronic arts, Mm -hmm. tumbling in the after hours on the back of its results. And Julia Borson's got more on the numbers for us from uh, Los Angeles. Julia. David, that's right. EA shares now just down over about 2%. They were down as much as 5% after the company reported its results. The call is just now underway. The company's stock had gained 15% since its last earnings. Now, fiscal fourth quarter top line guidance was less than Wall Street expectations. Digital net revenue came in lighter than Wall Street expectations as well. Still, total net bookings for the quarter of $1.98 billion was a hair ahead of estimates $1.97 billion. CEO Andrew Wilson um, on the call just now is talking about the company's progress growing its digital business. The company is saying that digital net bookings over the trailing 12 months was up 15 percent, now representing 77 percent of total net bookings. And the company also updated its guidance for Star Wars Fallen Jedi. EA says it expects to sell 10 million copies of this Star Wars video game by March 31st. Guys, back over to you. What do we think here? Activision, I'm sorry, Guy Karen. No, I a, little, a little bit disappointing on the guidance, right? The revenue miss. Uh, of all things, I like to see revenue beats, even if other things get in the way like costs and whatnot. So revenue miss, miss is a little uh, disappointing. Although the stock has had that huge run, as Julia said. So, I mean, to give back, you know, two points or two, three points, is it's not a disaster at all. And usually these stocks do better when you have a new game console being introduced. We haven't seen new game consoles being introduced. That's probably back end of this year. But if you look at Activision and Take-Two, they're both reporting uh, next week or the week after. I think it's February 6th. You could see a little bit of pressure put on them. If they sell off into it, I'd be a buyer on that dip. I think it's actually interesting that it's not sold off more than it has. I think it's pretty encouraging, actually, given the run-up that Karen just talked about, given the guide, and you can say, you know, 23 times next year's numbers, expensive. I, I'm sort of encouraged by the fact that the stock is coming back here. So you could walk in tomorrow, David, on your great show, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I watch it. Oh, really? I don't even have to name it. It's like one of those things. If it's Monday night, you have to say Monday night football. Yell at the guy. Night. I mean, I'm not on, yelling. Man. I'm just. I mean, it's when the you do it with Jimmy Chill, right? Is that his name? I, that Jimmy is, Chill. That is his name. Yes. Jimmy Chill. I love Dude. that. And anyway, it might be positive when you walk in tomorrow. Just letting you know. Yeah. Well, actually, this helps because now I know what's going on. So I'll be able to, be, <laughs> I'll be able to actually. That's my head guy we, said. We, we hear it all day. Yeah. I mean, this is what we do here. What about EA? Well, I think on EA, this is a stock that certainly has recovered off of those lows around 85, and they've done so because the expectations on a couple of their key titles, including this Jedi. The expectations are high. Uh, if you listen, read Piper's research, they talk about kind of looking at Twitch and reading kind of the analysis of, of the viewership on Twitch and that the EA titles are really ranking quite high. So um, 12 times on a trailing basis, and that's maybe what you're not supposed to do because the better days were in the rearview mirror. But we often talk about some of these gaming uh, stocks as, as being potential targets yeah. as well uh, in the media space as they are really the new form of, of media. And Stre- I, you know, Streaming and all, all these other paid services. Services. Everyone needs this type of an asset under their belt. I'm surprised it hasn't happened sooner, quite frankly. But I think the M&A activity has to happen with one of these top names, just for the libraries. There is definitely some talk about consolidation, but I don't know. I'm not. You know, they're big. They're big names. Yeah, yeah. Um, it'll be it be interesting if perhaps we do see something this year. But it's not the first year we've heard right. that. Of course, and, yeah, yeah waiting yep. for it. Um, yep. But to your point, important. I guess right, Sony and Microsoft later this year right. with the new consoles. Have the new consoles, yeah. correct? Um, All right, coming up, we have two more big names on the move in the after hours. Visa shares, they're down, except for reporting results. And Levi Strauss making some fresh comments 
about the coronavirus. We'll give you the full details when Fast Money returns. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. The earnings extravaganza continues. Visa, Levi Strauss, two other names you can see right there. Visa is down. The other is up. Rahel Solomon's monitoring Levi. First, though, let's get a take uh, from Kate Rooney in San Francisco on those Visa numbers. Kate. Hey, David. So Visa saw a boost in quarterly profit thanks to higher consumer spending during the holidays. But Visa also saw higher operating expenses. Those were up about 14 percent in the quarter which is weighing on the stock. Otherwise, the quarter was pretty much in line with expectations. EPS came in at exactly the number analysts were looking for. That was a 12% increase from last year. Revenue was a touch light, though. Payment volume grew 8% in the quarter. Visa also announcing a $9.5 billion stock buyback. Visa's been on a deal spree this year uh, and in 2019, growing outside of its core card business through acquisitions. In October, it bought ticketing service Rambus. And just a couple weeks ago, announced the $5.3 billion acquisition of Plaid. Analysts looking for details on the call about how these companies factor into Visa's long-term plan. CEO Al Kelly just now mentioning strategic partnerships in Africa and Taiwan. And uh, he also highlighted Visa's agreement with PayPal's new Venmo card. Investors are curious about China as well now that the Phase 1 trade deal has been signed. Some want to know if Visa and other payment firms might start doing business there. Visa had seen a huge run-up in earnings. It's up more than 45% year over year on pace with rival MasterCard. David? Yeah, thank you, Kate. The market caps are always amazing to me. MasterCard is about $330 billion, and these are $450 billion market cap company, one of the largest, of and, course. But the stock, I, is, I mean, the stock has been a monster now for the last decade. We talk about it all the time on this show. You know, I don't, it doesn't surprise me it's lower in the after hours because inline is not good enough at this valuation. But it seems to happen almost every quarter where you get that sell-off a week later, it's making all-time highs. You still have sort of mid-teens EPS growth, low double-digit revenue growth. I think you buy the dip. I hate to say it, but I think you continue to buy the dip in this name. I, I think you're right. This multiple, good, you know, hitting the numbers is really not good enough. Particularly yesterday, we saw MasterCard, which actually had better numbers. And MasterCard has actually done better since, I think, the beginning of 2019. They are, they are both very rich, though. It's, I, I own MasterCard. It's one I really wrestle with. I can't in any way say this is, you know, Did you think that the, the network for the... For the Venmo card, should have been a bigger deal. I know it's a small, but the the growth just seems so outsized for Venmo. PayPal has no clue what to what to do with that, but right. it seems like it's such a tailwind for Visa. And when you look at the long term chart of Visa, 
It's you can't, you can't argue with it. Obviously, it's overbought, but it works off overbought on RSI. Pretty, it's rarely, just a money-making rarely. machine. It's the best chart but, but out of the that, entire I mean, space. The 10-year on this thing is incredible. Isn't that the point, though, David? I mean, they, they're going to grow mid-teens. And, and if you're delivering mid-teens growth in, in a business like this, uh, that's pretty darn attractive, which is how you get to a 33 times forward multiple and a company that's gone from 80 bucks to 210 bucks in, in two years. We talk about the move in Apple. We talk about some of these other. I mean, that's, that's extraordinary. So, so I, you don't I mean, mind paying that multiple? Well, I, I, I think, the, look, in, in this environment, people are willing to pay that. But growing 15, 16 times uh, on EPS, I think, is something that you're going to hold your nose on in this market. Yeah. Well, I just, I mean, think about the, that chart as the evolution of e-commerce, right? The overlay is pretty good there. And I, I, I mean, I think... I'm still going to stay long. It's rich, but I... Just, just I to be... just to be, i got to finish your statement. No, that was it. It's rich, but I think that the valuation's warranted. Just, just to be reasonable on this. The 50-day moving average is 189. We're all being unreasonable. Right. Well, I was being unreasonable <laughs> when I opened it up, too. So just to you know, temper it a little bit, 189, they have, have had a bunch of checkbacks uh, with the 50-day moving average. I would look for another checkback. By the way, I got that reference to Rambus. Um, Kurt Kate, Rambus, uh, Kurt by the Rambus, way, and I mentioned maybe, last night to you that he was the glue of that glue team. That, that, that was the original name yeah. of uh, the Sylvester Stallone movie, and then they changed it last minute. Really? Yeah. Rambus that, and Rambo? Yeah. That's actually, yeah, I did, did not know that. Was he a brief wow. Nick coach? Uh, Nick Kurt coach? Rambus? Well, yeah, he yes. was, wasn't he? In the long line, the long, sad, <laughs> yeah. tragic line of Nick Coach. You know, it was so sad that we forgot about it, and it wasn't Kurt's fault. No, well, it never is. We won't talk about ownership there. All right, let's move on, though. <laughs> to Levi. Uh, that stock is turning around after hours. It's now up 2%. The company also just made some fresh comments about the impact of the coronavirus outbreak. Rahel Solomon is back at our headquarters and she has those details. Rahel. Hi, David. So this is now just the third time that the company has reported earnings after it went public again last March. The stock's higher on 2020 guidance. You can see that move up about 2.2%, though the quarter was mixed. So one headline that's getting some attention is from a Reuters report the CFO is saying that they're shutting half their stores in China due to the coronavirus outbreak. China is a strong growth area for Levi's. In October, the apparel maker opened their largest store in China in Wuhan, of course, the epicenter of the outbreak. The CFO also acknowledging that the move will result in a near-term financial hit. CEO Chip Berg just spoke about this on the call. Our plan is to accelerate growth in mainland China in 2020, and December was a very strong month. And then the virus had a significant impact to our business in January. It is really unfortunate how the outbreak of the recent virus has been impacting people's lives, especially during the Chinese New Year. We're taking this seriously and responsibly with our top priority being our people and our business partners. Now, David, China is a small percentage of the company's business, but the CEO telling CNBC in an interview in April that it was one of their top priorities. The Americas are really where the company gets the majority of its revenue. But last quarter, the company said that sales were flat here at home. I'll send it back to you. All right. Thank you, Rahel. You know, uh, we started the day, of course, on Squawk on the Street talking about the coronavirus. How can you not? Certainly the impact it's had mm-hmm. and particularly on economic growth. Haven't really talked about the first half hour of this show. Guy, I'm curious, you know, do you see it continue? It's con- obviously continuing yeah, you to know, grow. I'm, I'm probably in the minority with the things that gets worse before it gets better. And, you know, and obviously I hope that I'm wrong, clearly. But my concern is, you know, the U.S. consumer, things change extraordinarily quickly. And, you know, you walk through Times Square now, you see more than a handful of people with surgical masks on. You wonder at what point does that start to affect consumer behavior? I think we're probably closer to that than people want to realize. And when 73% of the economy is driven by people buying things, you have to be concerned. 
Uh, I was going to say I'm not that concerned, actually, because I think even if that happens, and let's say that's a given, which I don't know that it is, but let's say that's a given, when companies report, I think they have a little bit of a free pass in this quarter to say we were impacted by the coronavirus. Certainly anyone that has meaningful parts of their business in China. Every, right? every other, They're going to have a free pass. Every well. other disease that we've had has resulted in a buying opportunity and, and with much higher fatality rates. So obviously nobody wants to see anything like this. But with MERS virus, we, we had a mid-30s mortality rate. And with SARS, it was 11%. Although there's a lot more cases now, even there. A lot more cases more now. SARS. And in the U.S., SARS and MERS, I don't believe there were any fatalities in the U.S., so it happened internationally, but it never got out of control no, to the but point China of. It's the second largest economy in the world. It's it is, and we made it through, we made it through SARS, and we, we made yeah. it through a, a bunch of other issues they that they've had. 56 million people on Don't lockdown. they seem that they're on a lot more. Exactly. Uh, they're a lot more proactive this time around than I think they were with SARS. And I, I think that may be part of this. I mean, if you think about the, the, the social issues that the government faces in China and then the, the social issues that employers face, I think it's probably the right thing to do to close half the stores. I, I, I don't think, in some words, I think there might be pressure on companies to do stuff like this. And therefore, they're doing the right thing and they're doing the smart thing as well. There's nothing structurally broken about this. I don't love the valuation. And I, I think it was priced a little bit more of as a growth stock in its IPO last year. Um, but I, I think you get to a place where... Uh, in the short run, I said this about casinos, which is a much more controversial thing. But there's nothing structurally wrong with the Chinese consumer that wasn't wrong, you know, yesterday. Um, yes, this is a virus. Yes, this is a tragedy. Yes, this is a, a time for caution. And that's what the Chinese government is doing. But it's not going to change Levi's business in China six months out. Uh, that's my view. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll still keep an eye on many of those companies that do have significant presence there. Of course, Starbucks, McDonald's, Yum China, certainly. Wranglers, uh, Levi's, Lee's, David, growing up. How'd you? Uh, uh, Levi's, yeah. Yeah, yeah Levi's. Yeah, yeah. Guy, you were a Lee jeans. No, 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 Tim, I wasn't, <laughs> and you know that. And I've said many times I'm a 34-32, although no I could go 34-30 because I have sizing. very short legs. <laughs> I didn't, you didn't have to ask. I was going to let you know. Your legs are that short. I am really short. I'm a I mean, torso maximum. Yeah, no, but he's I'm tall. Back. Like, I'm all torso yeah, and I'm still short. Craziest thing. I don't know what I can tell you. All right, we got a lot more on all of today's big earnings reports. We're also going to hear what else everybody wore when they were younger. Uh, let's hope you can always <laughs> head over measurements to... from Guy. Oh, yeah. nice. Had yeah. a stool for his feet. <laughs> up next, though, uh, and by the way, that's CNBC.com. You can read about Amazon, of course, being up uh, after hours. Also, uh, well, a lot more there. Uh, IBM, of course, jumping on the news that Ginny uh, Rometty will be stepping down on April the 6th. You can see, actually, that stock adding to its gains in the after hours. Although you got to stay tuned for actually how the stocks open at 9.30. Don't forget that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Good yeah, show. Exactly. We're going to have a lot more, though, on those big stories when Fast Money comes right back. Welcome back to Fast Money. If you're just joining us, we want to quickly recap the big breaking news on IBM. Ginny Rometty stepping down as the CEO of the company. She has been in that role since 2012. She's going to be replaced by Arvind Krishna. That will be effective April 6th. Krishna is currently the SVP of the company's cloud and cognitive software segment. Rometty will retire at the end of this year. After nearly 40 years with IBM, she will stay on until then as executive chairman after giving up the CEO title. As you see, market reacting quite positively to that move. We're also all over the big move higher for Amazon. Take a look at this stock. Uh, I think the market cap now eclipsing a trillion dollars. This half, as the conference call gets underway, of course, uh, we're listening in. We will bring you all of the headlines. 
and Fast Money is back in two. Welcome back to Fast Money. Amazon shares up 11% following its blowout quarter. The company's call is underway. Let's go back to Josh Lipton, who can give us some highlights from what's going on. Josh. So on the call, David, uh, no surprise questions about AWS, the company's cloud computing business, its profit center. Uh, it showed a better than expected uh, performance in the quarter. Uh, on, the, on the call, analysts having some questions about the strength there, um, asking executives with those dollars added, would there be anything they would call out specifically on workloads or regions? Um, executives saying, listen, when it comes to AWS, what you are seeing, in their opinion, is just broad-based strength. They continue to add new products and features. They are adding more to their sales and marketing teams. We know they're investing in the business, that their product set, they say, leads the market, and that they add to it faster than the competition, and they are continuing to expand. Of course, we also saw rival Microsoft report better than expected numbers, too, this week. Another question on the call, analysts have these executives, what driving the upside to that revenue guidance? Um, their executives saying, in part, listen, very strong holiday performance, a big uptick in response to that one-day availability. Prime, very strong, too. Remember, they gave us that new bogey, $150 million, uh, paid Prime members. More people join Prime and Q4, they're saying, than any quarter before. David, back to you. Okay, Josh, thank you. Let's get more on Amazon's Big Beat. Joining us now is Jared Weisfeld. He's tech sector specialist for Jefferies. Nice to see you. What, uh, what stands out for you from this quarter and sort of what could be a read perhaps more broadly as well? Sure, absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head earlier in the show. When you look at the strength in Amazon's quarter, there was significant investor fear on two aspects. One was the slowdown in AWS over the last three quarters. AWS has decelerated each quarter. So I think there's been competitive fears that Microsoft has been gaining share on the margin. So posting that 34% year-on-year growth rate in the current quarter was definitely better than expectations. And then I think the earlier point was was spot on. When you look at Amazon over the last, call it 9 to 12 months, ever since they announced the reinvestment into the business to facilitate one-day overnight shipping combined with reinvestment in AWS, the stock has lagged pretty significantly. If you were to look at Facebook versus Google against Amazon since they made that announcement, Amazon's lagged by about 25% on a relative basis. So to finally see potentially coming out of this investment cycle is why the shares are rallying right here. So when you look at the Q1 guidance for operating income, significantly above buy-side expectations. And I think that's partly attributable to the fact that we're now lapping the last possible quarter for reinvestment. So when you look out to calendar 2020, I think investors are hopefully optimistic that we're now at the point where you get the best of both worlds, decelerating growth from an operating expense perspective, combined with potential acceleration in the core metrics such as paid unit growth, which accelerated to 22% in the quarter. So, Jared, there's so much focus on the expense side, as you said, and there's been so much focus on, ex- on shipping. Um, yeah. And again, you know, whether they're getting into FedEx's business or not, but shipping costs were up 43%. Yeah. Give us your, your, your take on where that goes. Is that, is that a number that's going down? Is it going higher? Yeah, I think over time, it's all about the incremental gross profit dollars or the operating profit dollars that hit the model. So even while you have the ability for them to invest in the business, which is clearly weighed on operating income in the past, and that's dampened CSOI or operating income growth, the fact that they've now invested in the business so heavily has facilitated to the point where, facilitated growth where three quarters ago, year-on-year paid unit growth was 10%, and that escalated to 18 to 22. So yes, it's been a headwind from an operating income growth perspective, but hopefully you're now lapping that to the point where unit growth can continue to accelerate. So Jared, when you look at the stock, a couple of different issues here. So do we not worry about AWS deceleration anytime going forward? When does AWS become a commoditized business instead of just with the competition of Microsoft and Google? Yeah. When do I worry about that? And C, do I ever worry about any other metrics involving an Amazon other than AWS? 
for sure. I think it sort of depends on the investor that you're talking to. Tech investors are keenly focused. 19 more questions? No, that was just three, but he, he speaks really well and rattles them off really quick, so I figured I'd just throw them all out. For sure. Um, so tech investors keenly uh, are focused on AWS growth. And if you look at the consumer retail investor, they're looking at the core GMV, the core retail play, uh, marketplace. So from an AWS perspective, it's clearly the profit center for the company, earning almost 30% operating margins when your international business is barely break-even. So I think that's a really important segment to focus on. And yes, you do have to worry about deceleration, but I mean, at some point, it's the law of large numbers. These guys are doing t- almost $10 billion a year, a quarter in, uh, in AWS-type revenues. So yes, it's decelerating, but at the end of the day, if you look at cloud workloads in, in its entirety, the biggest trend over the last three to four years has been the migration of public workloads to the cloud. And that's the the sole reason why IBM bought Red Hat. So you're seeing the transition there, which makes a lot of sense. So if you believe that that workload uh, acceleration is going to continue, then yes, there's competition on the margin between Microsoft and Google with their GCP efforts. But you know, rising tide lifts all boats. And at the end of the day, I think every single competitor in this space is really looking to mo- maximize profits while delivering value to their customers. And I think the market's large enough. See what I meant, Tim? That was good. He, it. No, I mean, yeah. he could have answered that. Stuck the landing. Gary strummed it. Gary strummed it. Thank you so much. Did it hurt? You did it hurt? That's <laughs> great. Um, AWS, I mean, what, what, you know, if 9.2 billion in operating income growing with 34%, profit margins are quite strong. What would you give us a multiple if that was out there as an independent Tim company? Tim mentioned it before. I mean, what does that have to well, be? It's got to be low 30s, I would think. I mean, yeah, so I, I think the, the street tends to, and I wish he was still here because we could actually bring him back to talk about it, but he's gone. Um, <laughs> 10 to 11 times revenues on, on AWS, you know, and that ends up being about 70% of your valuation. So um, people who are, you know, I think, Certainly, Amazon is a blended valuation of sorts, and that's one way to do it. It's amazing. Ten years ago, it didn't exist. Yeah. All right, coming up, A to Z earnings coverage continues. We're going to dive into what the options market is expecting from Alphabet. We'll have more on that trade ahead. Plus, there is a look at our Kramer cam. There it is. Jim's all powered up. He's talking Tesla tonight. Yeah, he's got three reasons why the shorts are going (laughs) to... Wait, they're going to get blown out here now? Aren't they all gone already? I'll talk to him about that tomorrow, too. All right, Mad Money's coming up at the top of the hour. In the meantime, we're right here at the NASDAQ in Times Square and have a lot more Fast Money coming right at you after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Today is the busiest day of earnings season, but that doesn't mean the action's over. Alphabet reports Monday. That's after the bell. And one options trader is betting the tech titan is primed to get back to all-time highs. Tribeca Trade Group founder Christian Frommertz is over at the Plasma, and he's going to break down that action. Christian, what are you seeing here? Thanks, David. Yes, yeah, so Google Alphabet is the last of the FANG stocks to report. Uh, they report Monday after the close. Uh, what uh, we've noticed is that there's a little bit more call activity, uh, one and a half times more than puts right now. So a little bit of bullish uh, activity going into Monday's print. Uh, the implied move, which is going to tell you what the option makers are looking for, for the, op- for the uh, stock to move on, on the day of options, is 4.5%. That's right in line with historical average of, of 4.5%. Uh, one thing to note here is that it's pretty wishy-washy from quarter to quarter. Uh, we've seen a lot, a few quarters that have gone down, a few quarters that have come up. So it's kind of inconsistent. Um, one trade that stood out to me, and, and albeit this, this is a pretty small trade, but it kind of gives you a sense of, of how institutional money is positioning. Uh, we saw a buyer today of the 200 March 1580 calls. Um, so they're going out a little bit, um, and they're expecting about 11% move 
uh, with that particular trade, which gets you back to uh, 52-week highs for the name. Uh, what I like in, in Google right now is the chart. Um, I think this is really, uh, really nice. It captures the trend. One thing that I note here is the breakout. Um, I love to see breakouts, especially out of consolidation. So I think what you want to do here with this is, is stick with the trend. Um, notice that it's, you know, it's a little bit lofty. It's gone up quite a bit, but it's, it's checked back to the 20-day to the moving average. Uh, leaders of the market, sometimes they just don't you know, give back that much more. Um, so I like the name here, and I would be a buyer if we happen to get a move back to the 50-day moving, moving average as well. Uh, Christian, thank you. Uh, Karen, what do you think of Alphabet? I mean, the stock's already up 9% this year prior to, obviously, its first earnings report coming on Monday. Right. I mean, it's up also in after hours today on the heels of Amazon. So people are reading through, I hope that's correct, to um, their cloud business. I thought also Facebook's revenue was good. So I think that hopefully bodes well for Google as well. It's my biggest position. I'm long. It's only 2%, a little less than 2% off the high. Um, But it's a volatile one. I mean, they, they... and the one thing that I really always want to see is some sort of uh, additional capital allocation moves. They've been really slow to do it. They're starting to pick it up a little bit with that last buyback, but hopefully they're putting the money to work. Real quick, cheapest of the FANG names. Karen talks about all the time. Probably have 18% EPS growth. I mean, the trajectory has been lower left, upper right. I think that continues. All right. For more on options uh, action, be sure to tune in to the full show tomorrow. That's 530 Eastern. Up next, your final trade. Time for the final trade. Let's go around the horn, and we'll start with Tim. Uh, e- <laughs> electronic Arts. No, actually, Electronic Arts, I was thinking of my Jedi mind trick. I swear I remembered my final trade, and I was going to say Electronic Arts by you might or something. Anyway, not funny. Let's keep moving. Okay, Karen. Yes, on the coronavirus and other things, we're talking about you know Amazon, the Amazon of China. I, I like Baba here. You had a chance to buy a little deeper. I like it. Yeah. Right here. Not expensive, given the growth it has. Steve. Same theme to Karen's here. I'm going to go IQ, and it's uh, any type of weakness that you see on the coronavirus. This is the Chinese Netflix. Keep it on a short leash, though. 50-day moving average is 21.25. If it breaks that, exit the trade. I think you have upside from here. Thanks for being here, David. Looking forward to seeing Great you. Jimmy you. Chill and Q tomorrow. IBM. Nice. That's your trade. That's IBM. It. All right. Nice. Well, thanks for watching Fast Money. Jimmy Chill starts right now. <laughs> This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.